All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. It was a silent night indeed. No hockey to speak of. Day two of the NHL's holiday pause is underway. This is the Daily Faceoff Show, streaming live on dailyfaceoff.com as well as Twitter. And, of course, YouTube. He's Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, dressed like one of Santa's elves today in his closet <laughs> of fame. Mike, how you doing? I'm good. Well, I've got to hide my pointy ears, Frank. I mean, I, I like your shirt. I, I, can Give us a little but, insight to what's, what's on hey, your shirt there. You I think you're ready for the holiday season. can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Maybe so. we can both start when we're done with this show and officially go on pause. What do you think? Uh, Hey, I'm all for the pause, and this is our last show before the holiday break. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. Let's have some fun, and let's start with a little COVID update in terms of where the NHL stands with the pause. I think everyone's wondering what's up with the schedule, Mike. You hit December 27th, all of a sudden it's all systems go again, or at least it should be. I can only tell you at this point that there's a few teams out there that have been hit with covid in a significant way that aren't all that certain that they'll be able to hit the ice on December 27th when the schedule is supposed to resume. So what could we end up seeing here as the NHL tries to adjust the schedules? Well, first off, they're well underway trying to do that, knowing that there's a three-week Olympic break. We could see some Canadian teams that end up playing on some extended road trips to try and preserve some revenue as a lot of them are down to 50% capacity, six of the seven Canadian teams. There's lots of creative thought process going on. But, Mike, there's also this flexible or need to be flexible because 
the fact that the NHL is still bracing for some potential postponements on the back end of this break, knowing that not all of these teams might be ready to hit the ice right away. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen when teams come back. I mean, I know that the NHL and the NHLPA have told all the players, hey, you need the break, take the break, be careful, do everything you can. Well, I mean, at this stage of the game with the way Omicron's been going around the world and, and the spread of COVID, like, how are we not going to see more positive tests when the NHL comes back on the 27th? And I think that's a real possibility that more games could get shifted around. Uh, and I think that more than anything, we're just kind of back to last season where you have to be flexible. You know, like I remember for myself, I was working games with the Vegas Golden Knights and my schedule was all over the place, changing it, really uh, having to stay on my toes with it. And I wasn't even a player. Uh, so I, I'm curious to see how they fill that gap in the Olympic break, Frank, because you know, are they going to give the players time off? Are they going to try to fill it all? Arena availabilities? I'm not sure how that's going to go, but I'm sure the league's going to do everything they can to try to get these games in if possible. But we just don't know where the next outbreak's going to be and which team it may may affect most. Yeah, the latest data that we had tweeted yesterday as the pause was underway, 140 players active on NHL protocol lists at the moment. A number of them probably would have been cleared to this point. We don't have those updated numbers yet. There's still some discrepancy in the numbers. A team like the Colorado Avalanche acknowledging that they had many more multiple positive tests uh, after returning from Nashville, but didn't disclose the name. So we'll see what that list looks like. And the mm -hmm. other part of it, Mike, you'd know this well as a player. There's lots of travel over the holidays, players going back to their hometowns. Who knows what they're yep. picking up? Those tests that come in on December 26th are going to be critical in terms of determining the NHL's path forward right out of the break and how many more games we could see postponed beyond the number of 50, the total for this season. So far, 48 at this point need to be rescheduled. Two of them have already done so. Let's talk about the division races. You know, it's funny and, you know, only 30-some games into the season for each team. You know, we, not, we never really talk about the division races and if they're important or not. I happen to think that a few of them are really important this year. If you are the Tampa Bay Lightning, or if you are the Toronto Maple Leafs or Florida Panthers and you're looking at this Atlantic division, you really want to make sure that you get in that number one spot in your division so that you can play one of the wildcard teams in the first round. It is a significant difference between facing the Leafs or the Panthers if you're the Lightning versus facing a team like the Boston Bruins or the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. So, you know, I happen to think it's important what about you? Well, I don't know. I mean, Frank, I'm kind of, I'm wondering what you think about the Pacific division. Well, in this case. It doesn't I mean... matter what you think. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And you know why? Because I don't think it matters. And we hear this all the time from coaches that we want the easiest route or we want the best route to the Stanley Cup finals. Well, the best route is winning all your games. You're going to have to beat the best teams at some stage of the game. The only thing that changes is the optics of it. If you lose in the first round, you, you know, it looks terrible. Well, maybe you play a great team in the first round. I've been on teams that lost second round to the eventual winners of leagues. Happened in the ECHL to me, happened in the AHL. And when I was in the playoffs in both of those, I'm thinking, man, like if we had just gotten past that team, we would have won. I think that teams really look to finishing at the top of the standings as the players, like it's more just a feather in your cap. You want to wait, raise that banner. You want to shoot for that goal. But man, just getting into playoffs, you know you've got that chance. I really think that the seeding 
matters less than how you're playing going into playoffs. And that's why players are so aware that those last 10 games, they're really hitting their stride and they're trying to play as diligent as they can so that you're getting to the playoffs with your team playing the best you possibly can. So it doesn't matter who you're playing, as The Rock once said. Yeah, you just gave me a little bit of the people's elbow there with that setup. I was not <laughs> expecting that. So thanks for that. But, um, you know, when you it's look at Christmas this, cheer. I'm not sure that your owner would agree. The owner of the team, hey, can you get me five more home dates by winning your first round, even yeah. if you eventually lose? And it's better for job security winning rounds. We know that. So I would say sure. that, you know, if you can make your path a little bit easier, your first round is less grueling than it needs to be, and you survive to the second, it gives you a better chance with those two teams. If, let's say, you're the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Leafs and the Panthers beating each other up in the first round to get that team next in the bracket, I don't know. I think it really means something. So we'll see the Pacific, maybe the one division to your point, not so much. But speaking of the Pacific, we handed out some stocking stuffers, little goodies yesterday. Uh, we started with the Metro and the Central. Today, we'll do the Pacific and the Atlantic. If you can think of a Pacific team, what's a one gift you'd like to hand out to that team? I'm thinking about the Edmonton Oilers. And I'd like to get them a big old bottle of self-awareness. And I don't think that the Edmonton Oilers are really at a stage where they don't realize what's going on. But I think it would fit nice into a stocking. And I also think that the team does need to really look at the mirror when it comes down to how they play defensively. Like, you know, 70% of their giveaways are in the defensive zone. Like, that's not a recipe for success. You know, their goals for it against it per 60 is way in the negative. So you look at a team that's been so good on the power play for so long, is it 50% a lot of the year? It's come back down to earth being at 30%, but the depth scoring's dried up. They're just so loose defensively. Like they've got to take ownership and realize if you want to win in playoffs, man, you've got to defend. And I mean, no, they have not gotten saves from Miko Koskinen at the rate they need to. Stuart Skinner has looked good in spots. They need Mike Smith. They need a goaltender. I'll tell you what, this team's deficiencies were really masked by that power play. They have not been good enough five on five to compete in the playoffs in my eyes. And we've even heard Dave Tippett say it. So I think I think that awareness is probably coming. But a couple doses of those pills might help them, Frank. Yeah, I don't know that the awareness ever went anywhere. I mean, maybe it was masked a little bit by the hot start, but I think a lot of people still have the same questions about the Oilers and what would happen if, you know, the scoring from McDavid and Dreisaitl and that power play dropped off a bit. For me, when I'm looking at the Pacific Division, I'd like to hand, speaking of a, a little bottle, I'd like to handle a bottle, a hand a bottle of liquid courage to the Anaheim Ducks and their front office. What a spot they're in at this point. You look at the standings sorted by points percentage here, tied for second with the Vegas Golden Knights. No one expected them to be in a playoff spot, especially this late. I think they're a team that's going to make the playoffs. They found a way to do it with lots of different players stepping up on different given nights. They've dealt with a lot of adversity. Their general manager under investigation ultimately ends up resigning. They never missed a beat. They've, they're creative. They're young. They've gotten an influx of help from their veterans. But what do you do for a team that's been on a rebuilding path to this point when you get to the trade deadline? Oh, by the way, without a general manager potentially in place, you've got... You look at your back end, Hampus Lindholm, uh, Josh Manson, up front, Ricard Raquel, all pending free agents. Do you keep these guys, potentially not re-sign them and let them walk to try and make a playoff run? Do you trade them now and potentially take yourself out of the playoffs? 
whoever is in that position, whether it's the interim and Jeff Solomon and the team that he has established with him, including Dave Nonis and Martin Madden, they've got some tough decisions to make. So that's why I hand the Anaheim Ducks a little bit of liquid courage, and it would make things a lot easier from their ownership if they could install a new president of hockey ops or a GM well before you get to the deadline to, the deadline to help make those decisions because they're ultimately going to be the one steering the ship afterwards. So let's move to the Atlantic. Mike, what's your stocking stuffer there? A time machine for the Boston Bruins. And man, that sounds harsh, but you know what? That team misses David Krejci, Tory Krug, Tuka Rask. I'd even throw Zdeno Chara in the mix here. They haven't been able to replace those players. They've been middling. They've been okay. You know, you bring Taylor Hall in and... He just hasn't been good enough this year for what you need. And it's it's displaced DeBrusque. It's moved him down the lineup. Now he's unhappy. He hasn't been producing. Like, it just seems like Boston's lost their way to me. And, you know, Taylor Hall's tied with Charlie Coyle in scoring. Charlie Coyle is a good player, but that's not what Taylor Hall needs to be. And this, the thing about the Bruins to me is that, you know, their special teams are pretty good. Like, power plays is pretty solid. Penalty kills pretty solid. But five on five, it is just not happening. And that depth is, isn't is there any longer. You know, for a lot of years, they were able to fill in with players. They'd bring it, you know, they had Heinen come in. They had others that, to me, filled those spots on depth lines from that were developed within. And it's just not there this year. The goaltending's been okay. I think Tuka Rask would definitely be a big bump to them in terms of confidence. Swayman and Olmark have actually been coming on strong, but I really think this team misses David Krejci down the middle. They really miss Tori Krug on the back end, and they just haven't been able to grab that. And they've been crushed by COVID. You know, COVID's hit them hard, and they haven't. They just haven't responded this year. I think that's a team that's kind of lost their way, and, and I don't know the answer right now other than hopping in a DeLorean and going back three years. Hmm. I don't know if he could fit in a stocking, but I've got a stuffer for the Florida Panthers, and that would be Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. You look at the Panthers and the standings, and the Panthers have given up the most goals among any playoff team in the Eastern Conference. Yes, they've also scored the second most, so that's helped mask some of that. But when I look at their defense, it looks top-heavy to me. They could use a little bit of help. And a top-flight player like Chikrin, who, by the way, is from South Florida, while his dad, Jeff, played for the Panthers, played for the Florida Junior Panthers program growing up. What a fit that would be. I think his parents still actually live in the South Florida area. Get Jacob Chikrin back in a Panthers uniform, one of those homegrown players. An awesome story, but also really fits their team. And I know people are looking at this and they say, Jacob Chikrin, dash 29 this year. How could he help? the Florida Panthers' defense in terms of keeping pucks out of their net, well, it involves properly re-slotting the defense core as it is. You can take a Radko Gudis off the second pair, move him down to your third, mm -hmm. potentially put Mackenzie Wieger back on the correct side. There's lots of different options, permutations. I just think Jacob Chikrin or a player of his ilk would help take the Florida Panthers to the next level in a really tough Atlantic division for all the reasons that we just mentioned. That'll do it for Stocking Stuffers. Today is December 23rd. Happy Festivus Day. That means we've got a little airing of the grievances for the first time in Daily Faceoff show tradition. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're gonna hear about it.
All right, Mike, it is the airing of grievances. I've got my Festivus poll here with us. Let's have a little fun. What's bothering you? What what uh, what problems do you have with either hockey, the game, the NHL that you'd like to express? Well, I've got a problem with the NHL not disclosing injuries. It drives me crazy that a player can miss a game. It's, ah, he's out with an injury, undisclosed, blah, blah, blah. And I understand why, because teams want to protect the player. They want to protect when they come back, their own health in the public eye. But man, I don't think it does much justice to players, especially if they've been concussed. Okay, so you you don't know why those players missing time. Why are they out? All right, and here's what happens: fans start to question the players. They think, "Oh, this player's soft," or "This player, who knows what's wrong with him? He just can't play. He doesn't want to." They start to make up their own narrative of why a player's out of the lineup if they don't know why they're hurt. And that's where I think transparency is really necessary. I wish the NHLPA would push harder on it. To, to and, and I. Maybe they don't have to push. Maybe it's from the players they don't want this out there. But like, I've seen players put in bad spots before because a team won't say that they're concussed, and then people start thinking that they're off the rails or they're not working hard enough or there's just not something right with them. And again, it's where rumors start, and rumors are terrible on athletes, and they can dog you because public perception becomes reality, which is wrong. But that's what happens. So I would really like to see teams on board with that. I don't think there's any competitive advantage by not disclosing injuries. Um, whoever it comes down to, NHL, NHLPA, I would like to see complete transparency on injuries. Yeah, it's interesting that you didn't even mention the gambling aspect of it or really dive into it mm -hmm. because that's the big complaint for people is we need to know more so we can bet more. And that's yeah, and becoming that's, a big part of NHL business. Yeah. Ad admittedly, I'm not a, a gambler. That's part of the reason why it doesn't enter my mind. But you're 100% right on it, Frank. And I mean, yeah, I know you've got some grievances, man. So lay it on us here. What's your first one? Yeah, I think my first part is is just how the NHL, the hockey world, and and really society at large has dealt with COVID. And, and a, a disclaimer here, uh, not a COVID denier by any stretch. Understand it's real, the ramifications, the impacts. Um, you know, fully vaccinated the whole nine yards. Um, but we're in, we're about to enter 2022. And when I look at the situation as a whole, the fact that we're starting the show with a COVID update and the league being paused for the second time, it feels like we're handling it still like it's December of 2020. We're about to enter year three of the pandemic. And look at these statistics. This was floated. I saw it retweeted 20,000 times on Twitter this week. And I think that we've, in a lot of ways, lost the ability to think critically. You look at this tweet and all I saw, the commentary from it on my feed was, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Of course, we want everyone to get vaccinated and be protected. But if you're thinking critically, you're looking at these numbers and you're going, 451 out of 100,000 of the most unprotected people, 0.004% chance to get COVID at this very moment. You look at the, the deaths, which take a step further, 0.0006 deaths, and that's our most vulnerable, unprotected, and it doesn't account for age of deaths, it doesn't account for comorbidities, all these other things that go with it. I just happen to think of Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner this week, uh, who said they're not going on pause, that there's no reason to pause. The NBA, they forced their teams to adapt. They said, this virus cannot be eradicated. We need to learn to live with it better. Amen to that. I think a big part of the NHL's problem is the Canadian federal government. But when you look at the way that businesses are being impacted, now team revenues, stadiums half full, 
Um, I don't know. I feel like we're being pre-programmed a little bit to stop thinking critically, to see a tweet like this and to think vaccination, of course, but think big picture, think overall risk factor. And I think we need to let people assess their own risk tolerance level. So I'll leave it at that. Not a COVID denier. We all need to be careful. No one's saying run around like a moron. Everyone's just saying at this point, we know what the risks are and handle yourself and your business, your family accordingly. Yeah, it's time for people to think critically. Frank, I don't disagree with it at all. And I've I've come around on this subject quite a bit, especially as the research and vaccination levels have, have gotten better over time. And I think basic bottom line, man, people have made up their minds. They're going to do what they want to do. And it is time to move on, live with this and figure it out. Well, and the um, people that I aren't totally vaccinated you, probably aren't just going to wake up today and get vaccinated. They've no, made it's their not decision. Happening. They're two That's years right. into it now. They're not going to just wake up and get vaccinated. So especially yeah. when you're dealing with the NHL, we know that every player in this league but one is fully vaccinated. A lot of them now have been boosted. They should be yeah. playing under a different set of rules than the rest of the population because this is a population you know, I hate the word that can be controlled. We know the specifics mm -hmm. of that population, whereas the rest of the world and society at large, we don't. So maybe if you see these pro sports leagues take these steps and they're not testing uh, asymptomatic people and players, that all of a sudden the rest of the confidence in the general population at large could maybe learn a thing or two from sports as well. Yeah, maybe we can lead the way with sports. I think it's a really good point, Frank. And I, I, I just hope that we see some movement on this. That some of the things that you outlined really important man players have done their part what's your They're second all, grievance so, so, so people so few are actually feeling bad so my second grievance actually has to deal with players and social media and ironically enough being myself somebody who admittedly kind of made his name on social media by being active using it well guess what players aren't you know think about austin matthews connor mcdavid go look at their instagram page or twitter feed their posts are all ads you know like maybe they post a picture of themselves playing hockey once a month and it's like, man, you guys are missing the boat here to interact and connect with your fans. And I understand it's not everybody's personality to do so, but I think that that personality choice is more of a choice. I think it's driven by hockey culture where there's still this pervasive thought that players, if they use social media, are not focusing on their job as a hockey player. They can't do both, which is just trash, man. It's utter trash. Like you can have other interests in life, but it's a hot button topic. Why was Robin Leonard voted the best Twitter follow? in the NHL last season because he was the only one that utilized the medium on Twitter, like his actual thoughts. Okay. We don't see enough of this in hockey. We don't know the personalities of players. I, 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 you can't see him behind a half shield. Anyway, you need to see these players and they are unwilling to help themselves. PK Subban's one of the few out there who I think does a really good job. He's active, especially his Instagram. And guess what? It's going to pay off for him in the future. Uh, I wish more players would do this. I wish they'd given a glimpse into their everyday life as a hockey player it helps humanize it and frank i know you've got one more it's the last grievance here uh before we head into holidays what are you going with it's a small one but just from a reporter's perspective the nhl is in the process of scheduling the general managers meetings for late march oh that's uh after the trade deadline how about we do the gm's meetings like five days before the trade deadline get all 32 managers in a room together socially distanced in South Florida, somewhere nice, like it used to be, and have them talk trades and talk turkey with each other face-to-face. -face. Yes, of course, you can go back to your room and talk to your staff, do your Zoom call, whatever you need to do. Let's spice it up a little bit. Let's make it a yes. made-for-TV event this year. As an insider, I would love that. I'd love to be there. 
Uh, obviously, that's a big reason why they don't do it is because they don't want us pestering them. But I just think that's one of those easy, good for the game things that could you know, certainly increase buzz and chatter and conversation. So no reason not to do that, in my opinion, especially coming back after a couple year hiatus from the GM meetings in person. Let's do it right. Let's do it big. And with that, we'll put the Festivus poll away for the year. Happy Festivus Day, Michael. This has been an airing of grievances, Seinfeld style. All right, Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. Mike, Tyler Uremchuk is going to have a video coming out this week. We were at the Player Media Tour in Chicago to start the season, and he asked a bunch of NHL players, what is your favorite hockey holiday gift that you've received? What's the one present hockey-related that you can remember? What is it for you? You know, there's so many. And I think what's interesting for myself and my family was that it wasn't always under the Christmas tree. You know, I didn't have to unwrap them because I needed them for the season, but they were labeled as Christmas gifts. And the best one that I can think of was a pair of Coho Evolution goalie pads that was present from my grandpa. And this Look is a this picture guy. you can see now. I mean, that's that's my grandpa Bill on the left, my dad Terry on the right. I'm probably, I don't know. Eight, eight years old here. And those are the old Archer's Herbe looking pads. They were made of nylon, Frank. They actually would freeze to the ice when there was a little <laughs> too much water on it, but it didn't matter to me. They were my first goalie pads that were mine. They weren't from the organization. And it just, it set me down the path of being a goaltender. Whenever I look at this picture, uh, there's a lot that comes to mind. It, it's kind of emotional to see it sometimes with all three McKenna's out there, but those pads were it for me, Frank. What did you have hiding under the Christmas tree some year? Yeah, and I love that picture too. I know your grandpa's such a big part of your life as well as the lives of so many in the St. Louis hockey community and an outdoor rink too. I mean, that's yep. that hits you right Kirkwood in Ice all Arena. the feels. For me, it's uh, it's really simple. Uh, one year I got one of those Easton Silver Gretzky sticks, and oh, the chrome one. Yeah, that was a big one. Oh. Like that thing was like you you could you could break into houses with that crowbar. It was heavy, <laughs> it was huge. You still needed a blade to put in it back when you used to have to warm up the uh the the blowtorch and and get the glue going. Um so that was certainly a memorable one for me. Uh, lots of jerseys and stuff over the years, but uh the Gretzky stick stands out. I used that thing for a long time. Man, that thing was like 110 flex too. I don't know how Gretzky with those spin. <laughs> there, no, there was it. no flex. That thing had no flex. Like, <laughs> you were trying to, it's trying to like trying to bend an oak tree in half. But boy, it looked it as flashy and it reflected everything. Oh, I'm jealous of you, Frank. Yeah, well, that, that was a good one. Let's bring in Tyler Uremchuk. Tyler, it's our daily bets segment. But did you have a memorable hockey holiday gift? Ooh, that is a really good one. Uh, obviously, growing up in Edmonton, you know, every, every year or two, there was always usually an Oilers jersey under the tree. So that was always and get me fired up as a kid. And I was always a big like street hockey goalie, right? So whenever you could get the new street hockey set up and, and throw that on in the basement or outside, that was always a ton of fun. For but me. show your age, like who is one of the first Oilers yeah. jerseys you can remember getting? What name? Let us know. I, I think the first one I ever had was back when I was like, I would have been like six or seven and it was one of those Todd McFarlane jerseys, right? With the oil drop across the chest and the navy blue. I think the first player I ever had on a jersey, and it would have been when I was like 11, was uh, Jordan Eberle, actually. I think that was the first name on the back oh of the jersey God. I ever had. 
So we're really showing my age there. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, Tyler Yeremchuk, 24, a broadcasting legend. Way to go. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump. Let's jump right into the to the bets here, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. Uh, you know, a decent spot here with the league on pause to take a look at some of the awards from around the NHL. And we'll start with the big one, the Hard Trophy. And it's basically been since the start of the year, McDavid and Dreisaitl won two in this race. Dreisaitl had the gap closed a little bit earlier on. He's now up to plus 350 but the interesting spot for me here is actually Alex Ovechkin at plus 600 six to one odds here and my thinking with this if, if you like Ovi's chances of continuing his hot play for the rest of the season is McDavid and Dreisaitl might actually split a little bit of the vote up at the top there for the Hart Trophy a lot of people you know if they if they want to give it to an Oiler maybe they go McDavid one and then they go okay I can't go an Oiler one and two I go McDavid one Ovi two Dreisaitl three Ovi might pick up enough second place votes and that split of McDavid or Drysaddle might give him actually a pretty good chance at winning the Hart Trophy here. It's a great story as well. As we move down to the Vesna Trophy, this is one where there's actually two bets I really like, and I'll be taking myself. And they're not even the top two guys on the list. Yes, Vasilevsky and Campbell are having great years. But before he was hurt, Igor Shesterkin had some of the best numbers in the NHL. I don't mind him at 7-1. And I'd also throw a little bit on Jacob Markstrom. All the way down at 12-1, to this guy is third in goals against average, second in save percentage amongst goalies who have played at least 20 games so far this season. He's got the five shutouts as well. If this guy keeps up his strong play and the Flames end up making the playoffs, I think Markstrom at 12-1 to is giving some tremendous value. As we keep scrolling through the odds here at points bet down to the Norris Trophy, I'm sticking at the top on this one. I like Kale McCarr at 3-1. to one. He leads all defensemen in points per game. The big one here, though, for, for McCarr is going to be staying healthy, right? This is a guy who probably needs to stay in the lineup for the rest of the year. If he wants to get that consideration, I don't think you can give the Norris to a guy who only appears in 55, 60 games. So if McCarr stays in the lineup for a while here, I love his chances at 3-1. to one. And to wrap things up, Maybe the least interesting of the four awards actually right now for me is the Calder Trophy. I personally think it's a two-man race between Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegers. And considering how close they are, I, I'm not sure if I can jump on either of them at these price points. But if you did want to throw some money on someone, Moritz Sider 5-1. I mean, he's logging heavy minutes. Frank, you've talked about this in the past. I think Sider at 5-1 to one actually gives some decent value here if you wanted to go that way with the Calder Trophy. Because... I mean, a defenseman logging the minutes he is being the important part of Detroit's lineup. Cider at five to one isn't the worst spot, Frank. No, I, I just happen to like Alex Ovechkin six to one for the heart. Mm -hmm. yeah. What he's done, adding the assist to his prodigious goal output. It's uh, I don't know. I think there's something to the idea of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl potentially splitting the votes a little bit. Which yeah. way do you go there if they're both right at the top of the scoring leader chart? Uh, Alex Ovechkin, the way he's put up points, isn't going to be that far behind, or at least he shouldn't yep. be. Really something to watch over the last 50 games. Could be some good value there. Thank you for that, Tyler. And now it's time for our garbage time segment. We had an airing of grievances a few minutes ago. Happy Festivus Day. But I just wanted to give a quick shout out to not just everyone who's watched, but everyone who's made this show happen and our site, dailyfaceoff.com, happen behind the scenes. It's just a little over six months since I joined the adventure. The fact that we have this beautiful show with the graphics and uh, some fantastic guests and content that we're pumping out on the site daily. So many people making it happen, both 
in front and behind the scenes as well. So just wanted to run through some names quickly, if you'll oblige. Bryce Salvador, Steve Greeley, Alex Allard, our technical producer here. Mike McKenna, of course, joining me all four days this week. Some heavy lifting in the holiday week. Tyler Uremchuk, Scott Burnside, Chris Peters, Tim Peel, Rachel Dowry, Dan Maraza, Bagged Milk, Zach, Quads, and Coombs, as well as Kennedy on the video, Brennan Bradley on graphics. So many awesome people. Want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays from all of us here at Daily Faceoff. Look at that beautiful graphic there. Oh, man. Looking good. <laughs> so beautiful. Can you even fit my Look face that. Into, that, into that Santa suit? So just want to say thanks. I look like a Lego character. <laughs> <laughs> at least they picked the appropriate guy to be the big man so uh in terms of uh heft so uh again that's all the time that we have for today just wanted to say thanks again to everyone watching and listening you guys have made it possible and that'll do it uh we're gonna take a pause and we'll be back on the other side of the new year we'll talk to you in 2022 have a great and safe merry christmas and happy holidays to all Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? 
but there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount, and that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first, and you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.